Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking for a great place to see what's happening in the auction market and track the data that's available from 500 different auction houses reported daily, check out Tractor Comps Iron, Tractor Comps, Tractor Zoom's Iron Comps, and you'll be able to get yourself a nice little discount if you wanted to go forward with that by using moving iron at checkout. Also go to um, heyarrow.com if you're looking for a CRM that helps salespeople sell more stuff. Check out Arrow CRM. It's a great, great product out there. This week is uh, Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. We've got Sean here and uh, he'll come on again on Thursday and we'll talk about what's going on. But, but Sean, um, there is kind of some outside factors that are weighing on, you know, I had this, the whole Chinese, whatever, you know, land holdings company or developer or whatever it was that was a Ponzi scheme or whatever it was, but it decided to collapse and miss out some stuff, which really shook the uh, outside markets, which some of that spilled over into the U S uh, commodity market and those kind of things. But I guess, as you take a look at what's going on right now, um, What's your thoughts out there right now as you take a look at the corn and soybean market moving into this October report? Well, we warned about this period of some deflationary forces, Casey, uh, kicking in. Uh, we talked about how we would have a problem with the uh, reduction of credit in China. And when you reduce credit and you reduce money supply, an Evergrande gets exposed. Right, and so this is why we've been pointing towards this September, October, early November timeframe as a place where we'd be looking for buying opportunities, especially feed market, because we thought we would get these headwinds, these deflationary headwinds due to the, a China slowdown, and offer you know at a time that we have harvest pressure and all, and it would offer an opportunity for some pretty important lows and 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 opportunities to buy, and that's exactly what's happening. And you know we don't think we're quite there yet, but we think we're getting. You know, obviously getting closer to the point where you know we expect to pull the trigger on making some strong recommendations for livestock producers and ethanol producers to be you know buying their feedstock for the upcoming season. So yeah. Okay. So let's take a look at some of the stuff we see happening here. So um 
kind of down south, talk about the cotton market here just for a little bit, kind of down south where the uh, effects of some of the hurricane came through. Um, I guess so as you take a look at what's going on there, what are your what are your thoughts uh, on the cotton market and, and what we see happening right now? Remember, cotton is so uh, tied to an, the economy and to the perception of the economy because you, uh, per, someone can defer purchasing clothes easily. You know, that we, we all have enough clothes that we can get by without having to buy clothes today. So if you start worrying about your job, worrying about the economy, China, uh, you know, cotton demand is really quick to to slow down. And so I think, you know, as long as we're in this period, we're worried about China, we're worried about their economy, we're worried about the effects that that might have. I think this is going to be a rough patch for cotton here um, over the next couple of months. We think, uh, you know, we, we think we could see a substantial decline here in cotton prices unless we get one more final hurricane that comes in at the wrong time, which we may or may not. But at this point, you know, we certainly, as a producer, looking at the price, you, you can make really good money selling these prices, and we would rather be a seller here um, and then, 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 then let, this, let this high price market environment run away from you to the downside. So we'd be very cautious here and be wanting to make sure we got our sales to the extent that we wanted to get them done, taken care of. We just, we just don't see a lot of upside here in cotton from that you know, 95 cent 98 cent area that we were just at. We think that could be it for the year. Yeah. So I think another thing out there that's weighing heavy on people's minds right now is, is uh, input costs. If you take a look at what's happened with input costs over the last two weeks, especially um, guys out trying to, to go out and, and lock in some rates and those kind of things. And it's just going up so fast and, and so high that, that no one knows where this is going to stop. I guess take a look at that that end of that business, and then what does that mean? I mean, yeah, we've got five dollar corn and you know five fifty corn and those kind of things out there on the board, um, cash prices and those kind of things. But when you start factoring some of these these input costs, it's not it's not gumdrops and candy canes like it looks. Well, you know the, the the spike in natural gas prices overseas, by the way, and some of the spike we're starting to see here is part of our one of one of our markets we thought would really start you know, moving a lot higher. There's there, the tentacles for that is that the fertilizer plants are shutting down in Europe because the natural gas supplies are so high, you know, that it just doesn't work for them anymore. And so the, the, the urea prices, the fertilizer prices are gone parabolic. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that a fertilizer usage is going to drop across the board. And it means that those crops that are high input cost crops like corn, like cotton, the farmer is going to really be thinking about planting less of those kinds of acres and more acres like soybeans or like oats or like wheat that are lower input cost crops. So this is a big deal. And, and as you know, we don't think we're anywhere near the end to the natural gas price right. uh, move here. In fact, at least in the U.S., we think we have a long way to go. And even in Europe, as high as they are, we think we have a long way to go. So we don't see this fertilizer problem going away at all. And we think it's going to have a big impact on what the farmer plants um, as we move into next spring. We think it's too late to have a huge impact with South America. We think they kind of got things taken care of already, but we think it could have a huge impact on what the Northern Hemisphere farmer plants next spring. And, and, and it, it really would be, it's really bullish for high input cost crops like corn, for example. So, um, so it's going it, to, it's, it's, it's a big consideration. And it means in general, 
less fertilizer usage. And, you know, if you use less fertilizer, even with good weather, yields are going to be down. So none of this is good, especially with the kind of weather we see happen next spring and summer with a late ending winter, chaotic planting season. It just does not look like we're going to be able to have good crops next year, which is why we continue to be pretty bullish on the outlook for prices once we get through the soft patch here into November. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's kind of spend a little time on that a little bit. So if you take a look at where we're at now, we, that, uh, you know, get that quarterly stock report in October. Um, if things continue down the same path that we're going, um, and you said, like you said, you know, the, you know, corn acres might go down, cotton acres might go down, more soybeans might pop up, more wheat, those kind of things all show up. What, what do you mean? What's your, what's your long-term thought process on, on some of this, on like the corn market, for example, I mean, if these, these trend lines continue, what's your thoughts on that? Well, we see two major weather events. We have what we think is going to be a serious Argentina drought. And for many that don't know, um, Argentina is just below Brazil in corn exports, even though they, they grow a lot less, they export more of their, what they produce. So, so we think that, could be a big driver for corn as we move into December, January, and February. And remember, Argentina sells a tremendous amount of bean meal and bean oil. That's really what they sell. And so we really think for the bean meal market specifically, you know, we could be looking at some, uh, you know, a, a pretty exciting period on Argentina drought. Now we move into this to the to the to the spring. We move into this endless winter. Uh, flooding from snowpack melt, all the things we've been talking about. And we already are going, and then we get into planting problems for corn. Um, and we get into planting problems for spring wheat. And even though we want to plant a lot of soybean acres, right? Even though we want to do it, it we might not be able to anyway, because the planting situation is going to be such, or if we do get them planted, it'll be you know, very, very late. So, so, and regardless of where the USDA winds up with all the numbers that, you know, we're not going to have a, our ending stocks globally and in the U S are going to be low. They're going to be low. We don't have a lot, not going to have any buffer stock. So with that in mind, you know, we see prices next spring into summer. We think there's a very good chance we exceed the highs that we saw this year. Um, how much higher we go, a lot of factors go into it, but it wouldn't surprise us if some markets could go, appreciably higher than what we already saw this year because to go from a we have a lot of supply to just enough which is what we've done in the last couple of years we went from a lot to just enough and we had a big rally but now we're going to go with just just enough to not enough and that's a price rationing rally. that's a different animal to going from a lot to just enough and so that's what we think we're moving into we're moving into a period where we have to determine how do we ration the demand in these markets um it can be done for and always you know there's always a price where someone's going to use less of it but uh you know we're not sure that we've that the price levels we saw this past year are enough to take care of the problem we see coming especially as difficult as the crop potential is going to be not only here in the u.s but also overseas so so we think it's a wild situation for for ag markets, and we don't, we want to make sure everyone doesn't get lulled to sleep that the current period of bearishness, that the current weakness that we've been forecasting, it's temporary. We don't see this being a an extended period of weakness. So that's why we, we really want to emphasize how important it is 
that you know if you're in the business of buying corn or bean meal or or wheat, you know you use this weakness into early November to get yourself tidied up because you don't want to be chasing markets next spring, Casey. You don't want to yep. be chasing. Yep. Crop progress report came out. Um, you know, it comes out every week. But I mean, anything shocking in that that you were that you took away that said, you know, hey, we're you know, agree or disagree or any 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 indications there of of kind of what you've been talking about heading into this, you know, low 170s yield on, on corn? Well, I mean, you know, harvest is progressing very well. You know, we have nice, warm, dry weather. I expect October to be warm and dry before the winter kicks in in November. So we're going to have a tremendous progress. And by the way, everyone needs to get the crap out as fast as they possibly can because we think we're going to enter a really nasty early winter in November. And you want to, you, you know, you, you don't want to be trying to harvest. <laughs> grains in, in the month of November. You want to try to just get it out, get it done. Um, and you're going to have a really, really good 30-day window here where you're just going to have fantastic uh, plant, uh, you know, harvesting weather uh, to, to get it out, of, to, you know, to get the crop out. So please don't delay. Please get it done. You know, that, that's our strong recommendation is, you know, when in doubt, you know, earlier than later. Um, but no, our, our, everything we see, all the yield, uh, Numbers we're getting from our customers and just from anecdotal evidence suggests that our low 170 crop yield on corn is going to be right. That that's what we're looking at. The east is good, but not great. The west is a little better, but not enough to overcome it. When we, when we homogenize all of that, it still says we're in a low 170s. It simply was too hot this summer to produce the kind of yields that the market for a second year in a row is overestimating. Um, hot weather is the number one. Uh, modulator of corn yields. And if it's too hot, I don't care how much rain you get, you're not going to have a trend yield or top end yield crop. And so, so we're pretty comfortable, you know, that we're going to find ourselves in this 1.1, 1.2 billion bushel carry out for corn. Um, that's enough, but not much more than enough. And that right. means that going in this next crop cycle, everything needs to be perfect. And what we're trying to tell you is we think it's going to be a whole lot less than perfect. And that means you're going to have, um, you know the 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 corn uh, the, the corn um, uh, and, uh, price has, has yet to you know we're going to have some more spikes to the upside to factor in when the market starts to worry again and so um, right now though crop harvest coming in fast harvest pressure coming in um, the worry over China the you know the, all of this is 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 you know leading to the speculators selling the grain markets and so it's a wonderful opportunity. To look to buy corn feed and bean meal feed here over the next thirty days or so, you know we're gonna we're gonna be pinpointing exactly when we think it's exactly the right time using our smart money algorithm uh, to kind of hone in that sort of thing, plus some of our other uh, valuation metrics. But you know, get ready to buy corn and bean meal next thirty days. We've been talking about this on your show for months, and we're finally here, and 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 we're and we're getting these lower prices like we thought, and so it's a really exciting opportunity on the buy side coming up. So, yeah. well, Sean, great stuff as usual. Looking forward to uh, to Thursday when we get to sit down and talk about what's going on in the soft markets. But, Sean, if folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what's going on in the uh, in the world of Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Uh, it's Hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. As you know, Casey, there's interviews with you, with other outfits, there's white papers, sample reports, plenty of information 
for you to get a handle on what we do to see if we can help. Right on, man. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs I have posted. Go to Moving Iron LLC to find all things Moving Iron. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Sean Haggett. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here